0: Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. Our society is rife with misinformation and lack of information regarding sex, sometimes as a result of a social agenda that is intended to maintain a taboo around sex. This can be very damaging for a variety of reasons. Avoidable occurrence of unwanted pregnancies, contracting and mismanagement of sexually transmitted illnesses or STIs, debilitating shame and anxiety around the experience of sex, and a general feeling that sex is necessary for procreation but is otherwise a confusing and negative force in people's lives. As a sexologist, I believe that sex is a natural and wholesome activity that serves a human birthright of pleasure. Neurobiology clearly positions sex as a powerful central human motivating force. I believe that much harm can come from an attempted denial of that reality and from an attendant attempt to control and channel people's sexuality. Given its powerful influence, sex does deserve respect and responsible handling, but other than in rare cases of compulsive behavior, sex should not be disowned or stigmatized. For adults and children, it's a normal part of being human. In this post, we'll explore just a handful of the seemingly endless misconceptions around sex, how it works, how people practice it, how it plays into relationships, and how sex and gender are related. Let's start by looking at sexual anatomy and physiology. The first misconception is bigger penises are better. In reality, male penises vary widely in length, ranging from an average erect length of about 3 inches in micropenis conditions up to about 10 inches, with an average of about 5.2 inches. Average circumference is about 4.6 inches. Female vaginas also vary widely in both length or depth and tightness at the opening or introitus, and these measurement differences can increase in a sexually aroused state. The FIT between penis and vagina, which affects the amount of friction and thus sensation felt by both partners, can thus vary widely. More subtly, the nerve distributions in genitalia can also differ significantly. With so many variables, there is no one-size-fits-all formula for good fit between partners. It is also true that some women focus on penis length, perhaps to enable penile contact with the cervix, which can be an orgasmic trigger point while other women focus more on penile circumference or girth, which can affect a sensation of fullness or tightness. Another misconception is that a woman's clitoris is usually only a tiny nubbin. In fact, the clitoral glands, or head, is the visible part of an extensive internal structure that can be up to 5 inches long and which underlies both the outer and the inner labia. During sexual arousal, that entire structure becomes engorged with blood and it also becomes exquisitely sensitive. Partners who recognize that fact can provide pleasurable stimulation to that entire structure, even when the clitoral head itself may be too sensitive for direct stimulation. Yet another misconception is that women can enjoy multiple orgasms, but men aren't built that way. It's true that women generally have a capacity for multiple back to back orgasms with proper stimulation. They have a refractory period, or post-orgasmic time during which another orgasm isn't possible, of only a few minutes or even a few seconds. In contrast, once a male experiences ejaculation, a subsequent orgasm can't occur for, say, 20 minutes to 2 hours. That's due to a longer, prolactin-mediated male refractory period. However, males can have multiple orgasms in quick succession if they avoid ejaculation, which triggers the refractory period. Taoist and Tantric traditions have long recognized and leveraged that. Techniques exist for helping trained males to experience multiple orgasms. It's well worth exploring. Turning now to the area of sexual practices, there is a common misconception that penis in vagina, or PIV, intercourse is the only legitimate definition of, quote, having sex. Sex is an infinite playground, one that engages body, mind, emotions, and even spirit. Its major limitations are those posed by one's imagination and knowledge. Much or most of the body can be cultivated as an erogenous zone. Sexual preferences vary widely, including oral and anal sex, sensory play, BDSM or bondage, dominance, and submission masochism, and other possibilities. Through communication and exploration of one another's bodies, partners can widen their sexual domain to include and practice that that they find pleasurable. Those possibilities go way beyond just PIV. All of these practices are normal and no cause for anxiety or shame, despite what our sex-negative culture might say. They're far more prevalent than most people think. Another misconception is that frequent masturbation can blunt the enjoyment of coupled sex. In fact, masturbation is best seen as an adjunct, separate practice to coupled sex. It's a great way to get to know one's own body, so that one can then bring that body more fully into coupled sex. Again, our culture has deeply stigmatized masturbation as a deviant practice that will grow hair on one's palms and will otherwise cause harm. Nothing could be further from the truth, so don't believe it. Another misconception is that pornography is damaging and should be carefully avoided by all. Regarding porn, your mileage may vary. It's not something that can be classified as either good or bad. Porn is entertainment and is thus not a good or realistic model for how one should enjoy one's own sex life. It's certainly not a realistic way to learn how sex actually works, as, unfortunately, many teenagers learn, nor is it a model for what physical traits we should all strive for and chastise ourselves for when we cannot achieve those same traits. In addition, a lot of porn mixes violence with sex in a toxic combination. Violent porn is probably best avoided. Instead, erotica which is, female-favored depictions of sensual, sexual, and romantic activities, may be a more wholesome medium to include in one's sexual practices. Properly chosen porn can be a healthy and exciting enhancement to one's bedroom practices. Turning now to experiencing sex, there is a misconception that all adults feel drawn to sex. In reality, people vary widely in the degree to which they feel sexual attraction to the people in their lives. There is an entire population of folks, perhaps a bit under 2% of the population, who don't feel sexual attraction from others. Such asexual individuals can still desire and make emotional connections and lead full and satisfying lives. Still others, called demisexuals, need to establish an emotional connection with a potential partner before they can experience the possibility of a sexual draw to that partner. The bulk of the population, so-called allosexuals, feel sexually drawn to partners to varying degrees. We humans are a varied lot. There is a misconception that, quote, good sex usually ends with orgasm for a woman. This pernicious belief can turn an otherwise satisfying sexual experience into a performance oriented competition. Males may be left feeling that they have somehow failed if their female partner doesn't experience an earth-shattering orgasm. In so doing, They lose their proper focus on pleasuring their partner and themselves into an exercise in self-grading and criticism. They've failed to give their partner an orgasm. In actuality, of course, women own their own orgasms themselves. From their side, women who don't climax may feel that they are failing to give their partner satisfaction. They may experience a similar sense of failure if they don't take their partner to orgasm. It's best to realize that many factors affect orgasm on physical, mental, and emotional planes. Orgasm shouldn't be seen as the sure thing or as a requisite for good sex. Women may reach orgasm only in about 65% of their sexual experiences, while the rate for males may be quite a bit higher at about 95%. Enjoy it to the hilt when it happens, without worries or judgment, and be grateful for the pleasure that's available to both sexual partners even without orgasm. Focusing now on sexual relationship styles, there is a misconception that polyamory is unnatural, unethical, and bound to cause problems. Polyamory, or one style of ethical non monogamy, ENM, is a legitimate and viable alternative to the mainstream practice of monogamy. Studies have shown that ENM doesn't have any higher rate of relationship failure or pathology than does monogamy. There is no scientific indication that monogamy is any more natural or biologically ordained than is ENM. Genetic studies have shown that up until about 10,000 years ago, humans predominantly existed within polygamous relationships in which a male would have multiple female partners. It is true that ENM relationships can be more complex than monogamous relationships. Such relationships involve balancing the needs and desires of three or more people. ENM requires well-developed communication skills and emotional intelligence or EQ. It also requires good time and energy management skills. In exchange for those demands, though, EM offers satisfying and growth promoting deep connections with a larger number of people than is possible within a monogamous relationship. As in so many other things, life is a trade off. Turning now in the direction of gender, there is a misconception that gay people choose homosexuality as a lifestyle, or that homosexuality is genetically preordained. There is not yet any conclusive evidence as to whether homosexuality is a choice or whether it has an underlying biological component. There's a lot of political energy behind trying to force a conclusion to that question one way or the other. The reality of bisexuality muddies the water even more. As in so many other facets of human nature, it seems likely that both nature and nurture are involved. Similarly, it seems likely that sexual preference, that is, orientation, exists on a spectrum rather than in binary black or white form. Such unavoidable uncertainties suggest that we try to avoid attaching good or bad labels to any of the many existing kinds of sexual orientation. Diversity seems to be a natural human trait. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors website at twoopendoors.com and the Two Open Doors private Facebook group. Finally, I invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors.